Welcome to Genesis NFT by NFT's What The Fuck, hosted by me, Jamie Burke. We're doing a retrospective on the history of NFTs, its key moments and people, from counterparty to rare pepes, crypto punks and kitties, from Xcopy to Pack, and people's record auction. With the stories from the people inside the hurricane and hear their hopes and fears for its future, these episodes, now over 16 hours have been recorded, will be turned into a single audio documentary released as an NFT time capsule. Follow at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the drop on Twitter. First of all, thanks for having me, Jamie. And my name is Jay Delay. And uh, for me, one of the most important things to me about NFTs and crypto art is open access and decentralization um, for people and participants. I've explored that in several projects and my artwork as well. So do you describe yourself as a founder and creator and collector? How would you how would you define your activities, behaviors in NFTs? Um, I, look, I wear a lot of different hats. I've done you know a lot of crypto art, obviously, and collecting as well throughout the process and meeting a lot of awesome artists and and friends and collectors, and then also. Um, created a dap with Steve Klebanoff and um, working on the NFT swap with the rapid art token swap project. So I'm really interested in a lot of the different technological possibilities of NFTs and exploring those in a lot of different ways and seeing where this technology can go. Cause it's going to be such a transformative technology for artists and collectors. So I'm, trying on a lot of different hats, did some digital audio as well, like a few audio releases because I've got a background in music and then I've also got a background in art education. So I have a lot of vested interest in visual arts and this technology is taking it to places we never dreamed of. So, so how would you describe NFTs, what do they mean to you? Like, is there something that unifies all of those interests? There's a musician, a, an artist. Uh, for me, what's so powerful about NFTs is obviously being able to own a digital item, whether that's a piece of audio or a piece of artwork, um, and transfer it, prove ownership, but also the history of it. So you have the provenance. The built-in royalties is going to change a lot of artists and it already has creators lives uh, through income and then dis- distribution of their art and music as well. Uh, so yeah, I think that's one of the most powerful things. And I've also coming from a crypto background, I've been really interested in decentralization. So I'm, I'm more interested in seeing how that's going to work in terms of opening up visual arts to new participants that maybe have never created a work of art. Um, So I'm interested in open platforms and that's where I've spent most of my time minting and most of my focus has been instead of like curating galleries, which get a lot of attention. Yeah. And so what do you think the roles, what's the same and what's different about platforms and galleries? Um, well, I think that galleries are taking the traditional model that has served 
a, a group of individuals extremely well in uh, the fine art world and traditional arts. I think a lot of people, whether artists or collectors, have been left out of that. So that's where I think open minting platforms are going to be the most transformative for not only for artists and collectors, but society. This is going to be very powerful culturally. And I think it has potential to change a lot of people's uh, lives and the way they communicate. So I, I think open platforms are where a lot of people will interact with the technology. And that's, to me, that's a greater benefit than a few galleries that are getting high profile sales. And so if everything's open and anybody can create an NFT, how does the collector or the audience navigate that? Is there still a role for curation? And if so, what form does that take? I think people are always going to be attracted by curation and feel comfortable and feel like they're making a safe choice and feel like there's some protection. Um, you know, and it's the same way with crypto. Like you go to like a exchange Coinbase or Binance or whatever, and you buy crypto, you have some, some knowledge that, you know, they vetted these projects or, you know, they have some use case and Binance thinks they're a good investment or Coinbase thinks they're a good investment or like using Uniswap where anybody can create a token and you really have to do your own research, you know, because everybody is their ex the exchange. You know, with Bitcoin, people talk, talk about being your own bank. Um, but now people are their own exchanges and Hopefully people will build their own art galleries now with NFTs. So what got you into NFTs? What was your personal journey into the space? I got into NFTs. Um, I'd always been interested in crypto, like transforming culture when I first heard about the potential for NFTs. And I guess it was around 2017, 2018. Um, but I was playing a lot of shows and focused on music at the time. And I heard about the Rose Sale. Um and then found Johnny Dollar's Artist Liberation Front contract in 2019 and realized that I could mint um, through my own, you know, without having to join a gallery. So I contacted him and used the self-minting contract that he created and, you know, got hooked and started making a bunch of crypto art and never looked back. And it's interesting that you use the term crypto art because... Some people do and some people don't. What specifically does crypto art mean for you? Is it more than just the fact that you're using NFTs? Is it a genre? Yeah, to, to me, um, there, and when I first got into the space too, there was discussion about what do we call it? And then you know, people were pushing for NFTs. Some people, some people were call, calling it crypto art. I like crypto art just because I think it sounds cool. But also, I don't think we should hide the fact that it is crypto. You know, These are on cryptographic tokens attached with the artwork and to me that's the medium that i really find powerful and potentially transformative is the crypto aspect of it all the decentralization and the crypt cryptography is what made this all possible um so for you in your journey as a as a creator i guess or, or, or from any other perspective 
What have been the defining moments? You mentioned one there, Johnny Dollar's Artist Liberation contract in 2019. What have been the other points of either inspiration or validation or innovation in the medium that is NFTs? Um, so when I started minting, I was minting on the artist liberation front. I moved to OpenSea and then there weren't too many places to mint at the time. I applied to Known Origin and Maker's Place and got accepted there and really liked the platforms. They're beautiful artworks and they're beautiful galleries. I uh, thought about applying to Super Rare and even created a video, but um, you know, found out about Rob Ness and Max getting kicked off. and just wasn't sure if that was where the route I wanted to take and really started to reconsider um, what I wanted to do with crypto art. So I reached out to both of them and started talking to them. Um, and around this time, Mintbase was popping up. So I started making a ton of NFTs on Mintbase. And that's when I started the spam art project and was just sending out crypto art kind of freely to people. Um, and then Rarible came around pretty soon after. And I was really excited for that because it was an open platform and a lot of early trash arts started happening there. So I met a lot of cool artists from all over the world that I really respected and had something in common with. And we just had fun making tons of crypto art and um, building like an early community on Rarible. And then since then, I've stopped minting on any centralized or curated platforms and solely mint on open platforms. So to me, that's been like the most defining aspect of it is should be open and decentralized and i'm i'm glad there's a, tons of options for people now so tell me about the, there's two things you mentioned there spam art and trash art let's talk about trash art because i'm assuming that came first right and then and spam art later is that right from a sequencing perspective yeah so um rob ness is 64 gallon Toter that was removed or banned from Super Rare. Yeah, that came first. And I, I guess about the time I was reading a lot of articles on Scent, a bunch of people were um, talking about trash art on Twitter. And, and a lot of it, I think, was just in reference to what was considered low-quality gifts or just people cranking out a bunch of NFTs. Um, and to me, there was something perhaps detrimental and I, I don't know if it was collectors trying to protect the space because it was such a new space, but there was a lot of people talking about, you know, well, what if a bunch of artists come in here and just start making a bunch of low quality crypto art, like it could potentially ruin everybody's investments. But to me, that was um, beautiful. Like a bunch of people could come in and it didn't have to live up to anybody's expectations. You know, People could create what they wanted, whether it was a toter or a trash can or just anything and didn't have to appeal to any gallery standard or any collector's standard. So I thought there was like this beautiful kind of punk rock aesthetic and uh, philosophy behind the movement and got on board with the trash art movement around the time. I guess I may have been a spam artist first and then got into trash artists. Um, or got into trash art, but trash art definitely came before. 
Although, I don't know, maybe people were sending out a bunch of free stuff back when NFTs first started. So I imagine people have been doing that for a while too. So tell us about spam art. Tell us about how you define it, what it what it stands for, and how your work has been a kind of commentary on it, or maybe it's fundamental to it. Um, so the fact that you can send an NFT or a work of art to anybody's wallet, to me, is really interesting. And I, I think that artists should explore the technology and experiment, you know, and there's a lot of potential with NFTs. So I think we're just kind of getting started. So I can't wait to see what happens with the space. But um, I was really influenced by Ray Johnson, a collage artist and mixed media artist. And he did a lot of mail art and would just send out collages that he made to friends and collectors. He knew <clears throat> he even got his, his work and a lot of museum collections just by sending them to the museum. And they would, they, they were so good that they wouldn't throw them out. You know, they would add them to their permanent collections. So I thought that was an amazing way to get art out there. And so people really liked it and get, liked getting free art, even if it was called spam, spam art. I would put them up for sale. So I like the idea of people receiving something for free and then be able, able to make money off of it, like finding some value in it. And some people didn't like it, you know, but I knew I took that risk and was sending out a bunch of them at the time. And I still send them out every now and then, but not as much as I used to. And I, a lot of people started to really just kind of send spam art out to high profile collectors. And that's when I kind of stopped sending out so much. You know, part, when I first started doing it too, I reached out to Dan at OpenSea. And then I reached out to MetaMask and was talking to developers. I was like, you know, this could potentially become a problem. And I'm just doing it for art, you know, trying to share art with people and have fun. But, you know, when we get to layer two, especially, there could be tons of people sending out Ethereum transactions and filling up wallets. And people are going to have to come up with solutions to that, just like e <laughs> email has. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting um, that, you know, in a way, the kind of cost that people complain about of using something like Ethereum has protected an oversupply or an abuse of this kind of open system because there's a, a cost and often that cost is prohibitively high. But um, when we remove the scaling issue, which everybody wants, of course, this then opens up um, the, the kind of a bit, uh, increases the ability for people to, to, to spam at, at little to no cost. Um, so for you, what are the hopes and fears for the future of NFTs? Um, obviously, my, my hope is that it will lower the barrier for entry and participation in visual arts and music, where more people can become, become involved and share their ideas and that we can do away with this uh, limited system. And I think the traditional art world has it, and I also think music industry has it. Um, and 
this goes for any medium, you know, video or anything. Um, hopefully NFTs will open that up to more people participating and there won't be so many barriers. And that's why I'm really concerned about gatekeeping and curation. I, I don't think it, you know, that's ever going to stop. And I think there's definitely value and benefits to curation, but we've already done that. We've already tried that. So I think with any new media, we should explore new possibilities. I'm a big fan of McLuhan. I think you've uh, talked about his work as well. And we're, we're kind of approaching NFTs with uh, looking in the rearview mirror, what we've done in the past. And I'm excited to see people that come into the space and really look towards what it could become in the future. And hopefully that's more open and more decentralized. Yes. It's interesting. You reference McLuhan, as you said, I, I often cite him trying to help people understand NFTs. You know, the medium is the message. Do you subscribe to that? And do you kind of look at NFTs? Uh, you know, why is McLuhan so relevant for you in the context of NFTs? I've always been a huge fan of his uh, writings and listened to a ton of his speeches and interviews. Part of the reason I, I think he's kind of nailed the um, the powers and potential pros and cons of a lot of different media from, you know, television, radio, all the way to the printing press and how it just becomes a pervasive environment that we're all interacting with these tech technologies or the telephone, even, um, not the telephone as we know it now, but you know, the analog telephone. Um, and for NFTs, it's, it's almost hard to imagine how transformative it can be both economically and creatively and culturally. And I think if you want to understand the power of media, uh, McLuhan's definitely one source of insight uh, in terms of NFTs. Uh, we're approaching it, like I said, kind of with this old gallery based model and now we're open, open it up with open platforms and, um, I don't think we're, we're even beginning to kind of touch the surface on what this can become. And finally, you mentioned uh, music. Obviously, a lot of the focus and attention has primarily been around, you know, visual arts. But, you know, already as we're kind of around, you know, end of March now, 2021, audio your music is increasingly happening. Um, do you think that there is something going to be different about audio NFTs as a as a as a as a medium as an asset composed compared to visual arts? Or do you think there's similarities and differences? I think with music, it's going to be very powerful with royalties. I think. Musicians have relied on touring. I've played in bands for years, and um, that's kind of been the main source of income. And a lot of musicians have uh, been dealt a blow recently during the pandemic. So hopefully NFTs will allow new sources of income and revenue, but also new creative potentials. You know, I think there's like Euler Beats. I might, may not be pronouncing that correctly, but um, definitely some new experimental 
music technologies that are going to come out and continue to kind of push the space further. So hopefully it'll provide musicians with income where they're not relying on touring unless they want to, <laughs> like are selling merchandise unless they want to. Um, for art, I think it's, it's so powerful to have people and where you're empowering creators, but you're also empowering collectors. You know, before, if you were going to collect art, you were kind of limited to the space of your, your house or I know I've met some collectors that have storage facilities. You know, those are few and far between and none of them are coming over to my you know, dinner parties or anything, but I, I've run into a few of them. Um, so there's a physical limitation to collect art and also a ge geographical limitation uh, and music too, in some way. But now, you know, you can collect an artist's work from all over the world and you own one of their pieces and you can collect and support countless artists and musicians in terms of uh, your storage of, you know, I guess um, in terms of Ethereum, how much you can earn or, or purchase whatever your income is, but, um, or get for free. If, you, <laughs> if you're getting airdrops or spam, spam, but you know, you're not limited by that physical and geographical location. So that's so powerful and amazing to me. And I think it's going to transform the visual arts industry in that way as well. More creators and hopefully more collectors, you know, cannot even out. There was a lot of fear, like like I said earlier, when, when I first got into the NFT space, it, people were worried that a lot of artists would come in and make low quality work. Like, what's going to happen with NFTs once people start pumping out trash gifts or spam art? Um, but luckily, people, you know, a lot of people just want to come in and collect artwork, too. There's going to be a whole bunch of collectors joining this because this is an, a new possibility that never existed before. You couldn't collect a ton of artwork. You could have a few paintings, a few sculptures, a few ceramic pieces if you're interested. That's great. Jay, thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was good talking with you. So if you enjoyed that episode as much as I did, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast, like, rate, and review. We're going to be dropping two of these a week, so make sure you don't miss a beat. And also follow us on at NFTs WTF to keep updated on the NFT time catch drop.